3: Good morning, or afternoon, or evening, whatever is relevant for the part of the world you are in. Indeed, welcome to the Event Horizon, where the impossible happens. Join us each week at this time as we journey into science fiction, science fact, and fantasy in all their forms. And with us this evening, this is episode 64 of the Event Horizon, if you're keeping track, and we like to, is the Ken Spivey Band and Dr. Geek himself, Dr. Scott Figuey. And one of the other band members, uh, besides Ken Spivey... The eponymous Ken Spivey, is... is, Donald Kennett. Welcome to the show, guys. Hello. Uh Hello. Yes, we actually got through the entire intro in one take. How about that?
0: That that was very good. (laughs) That that was... Uh, I'm so impressed.
3: We... uh, I have stumbled through so many of these introductions and uh susan susan fox uh, the station's executive producer say um, hi susan hi susan <laughs> well um
0: scott doesn't let me drink until we're done with all our shows so there's very few times that i stumble through my introduction but mm.
2: uh <laughs> but he might trip over the cat
3: so um uh, so for our yeah, here i am stumbling myself uh, for our listeners, Ken Spivey, why don't you tell us about your, your band? Because you're probably best at it and said it a lot of times.
0: Well, um, my band, uh, we play Doctor Who-inspired uh, music. We were, we were originally a Renaissance Fair band that went Doctor who And we started out as a father and son, and and, in fact, Donald is still my father to this
1: day. Yep, so I understand (laughs) from his mom.
0: (laughs) So uh, uh, a lot of people wonder whether or not the elderly gentleman on the stage really is my father or if it's an act. No, it's really my dad, and uh, that's why it's confusing to have uh, multiple Ken Spivey's in the band, so that's why he goes by Donald Kenneth, because I stole his
3: name. He did indeed. Oh, I
0: see.
3: So it's a junior and senior thing.
0: Well, mm. I actually, know, no. Uh, he's junior, and I'm the third, which makes it oh. even more confusing. And that's yep. that's why we've we've
1: chosen to give him a new name that's because right. this it's, a, it's actually a franchise. For twenty thousand dollars, you can be Donald Kenneth Spy also. <laughs> that works.
2: That would confuse <laughs> my parents. <laughs>
1: oh. Or that's actually. Five or six shots,
0: uh, I could end up with a Donald Ken Spivey, the fourth. So I have to be
3: careful. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, at the first uh, convention that we all met, uh, there was somebody who would take your badge. Right? There was somebody who came up and said, "I'm Ken Spivey." Yes, there's
0: there's a fellow in the Atlanta Doctor Who uh, fan scene named Ken Spivey who actually goes back to the '80s, I believe. And he's one of the founding members of the fan club that ended up starting Timegate. It was a guy named Ken Spivey. Oh dear, that's funny. uh, No, I'm actually
3: (laughs) that actually explains a lot, you know, because I saw your name in conjunction with uh, Timegate, and now I know it's two different people. Well, three or three or I'm losing count already.
0: Well, on on his name badge now, when he comes up to us, it says Ken Spivey, and then it says underneath it the other Ken Spivey.
2: Oh. I'll well, we'll have, we'll you... have to change his name to Bruce to avoid confusion.
0: <laughs> Bruce
3: Spivey. Bruce Spivey. Hey, Bruce. Hello, Bruce.
2: Hello, G'day,
0: Bruce. Good night, Bruce.
3: <laughs> so, um, how you you started off doing um, Renaissance fairs and such. We've heard some of your early music, and it really had that really strong Renaissance fair mark on it.
0: Well, once you start writing music in 6'8, it's hard to
3: stop. Well, you know, it's like s- s- oh, starting oh, to spell Mississippi or banana.
2: It's,
3: it's hard to know when to, to, to stop. You, you truly
0: don't. <laughs> and uh, I, I had I had actually been doing uh, Ren Fairs for a, a year or two before I started working with my father.
3: Mm.
0: And so I'd been playing Celtic music for a while, and then he was with uh, working with me for two years, and uh, we had been playing nonstop Celtic music. So when we started the Dr. Who Band, it was logical. We just took our existing Renaissance Fair Act the, the, the actual script of the Renfair Act And kind of threw in Doctor Who And uh, wrote the music very, very quickly and, and, and performed our first show in 2010 at TimeGate And uh, few people realized that we were still writing the music On the way up to TimeGate To, to play that show So we were in, in the car tr- trying to memorize the lyrics And, and finalize words and songs And, and how chords go so, when, if well, you this see. Well, this is traditional videos, on
2: the way to a fair. You, you finish sewing your costume. You finish well, it's, writing your it's songs.
0: Tr- it's true. And and so, if you see the, not from our performance from 2010, but if you see pictures from the cabaret, because the cabaret happened uh, on Saturday night where we mm-hmm. played two songs and our show was Sunday at the first time gate, we're both making these faces where we're looking around constantly. It's us. Terrified, having no idea what a sci-fi convention is really, mm. why we're on stage, what we're doing, and trying to remember the chords to the songs we just wrote. Right. So, funny, it's I, the same
2: people with different costumes. It really oh, is.
0: Oh, at the time we didn't know, so uh,
1: <laughs> we kept looking for hay bales.
0: Yeah. <laughs> at, at no at no point did someone say huzz- yell huzzah" yeah. or or uh, or someone uh, uh, well. It wasn't quite as blue as I, I had experienced in the past.
2: You need to stay after midnight.
3: Yeah, it gets uh, pretty blue. I loved your sto- the story about the Dalek dance, about how that came about. That was awesome.
0: Tell us about the Dalek dance.
3: Well, because
0: Dad told me when we, we wrote the Dalek dance, he said we'll do a silly dance and then everybody will, will do uh, we'll dance along. And I said, no, that's stupid. We shouldn't do that and then we did it and live all of a sudden i said we're going to do the dance and i made everybody stand up and do the dance and afterwards dad, dad was dad had
4: to rope that in
1: yes of course and that's <laughs> that's when i came up with the infamous billy idol move
3: and so uh, i think we can yes. play a clip of that music that's uh, there's a recording of that on on youtube let's uh, let's listen to the audio from that the So that was spur of the moment then, that performance. Well, we had written the song,
0: but the dance, I kind of thought of right then at yeah. time gate. So how does it go? Moment. Do you, like, have put, you know,
2: one arm up like a plunger and the other arm out like a like an egg whisk? Or how does that well, go?
0: Well, um, you, you <laughs> have to come to a show to learn the moves. I mean, that's part of the impetus of getting you to come out, so... So uh, if you're going to be at DragonCon or an AcroCon or ConCon Con or or, or obi Con or wherever else we're playing, you have to come out to see us. Or maybe Gulf, Gulf Wars or
2: Penzic,
3: huh? What was that? Gulf Wars or Penzic. Those are uh, Society for S-C-A-A Creative Anachronism. You know, swinging back towards the Renaissance thing, you know. So that's...
2: We know Doctor Who's in the Renaissance. We saw the Vampires of Venice. That's, that's
5: where I learned. No, the funny, learned the it. funny
3: thing is, uh, at some of the larger SCA events, occasionally, I mean, people have um, shower stalls in their camps. And occasionally, you will see a TARDIS shower stall set up.
0: Hold on a second. SCA people <laughs> bathe? <laughs> <laughs> what?
2: Well, this is why we go to science fiction conventions as well. So we have, like, floors <laughs> hotel and Hotel rooms have showers. Indoor plumbing. It's it's amazing, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. New new Roman inventions.
0: Yeah. But they didn't have showers in the Renaissance. <laughs> <That's> right.
2: <laughs> Eleanor yeah. of Aquitaine had had showers she used. So, so, they don't have uh, a
1: Renaissance, a, a Renaissance fairs. Yeah,
0: Renaissance fairs.
1: Everybody, everyone smells of uh, Renaissance. <laughs> of, yeah,
0: they, they smell <laughs> of, uh, it smells, a, smells a very renaissance-y scent, A cornucopia of odors. <laughs> uh, scented yes.
1: candles are all the rage to yeah. cover up the smell of the medieval.
0: I always fashion. had a hard time at the ren fair because I would walk by the henna booth, and something about henna is smells evil to me. And I don't know what that is, but I can't be around henna when it's fresh because it smells really scary. It is gonna, they put oils, that it's, oil the really the, it's not
2: the henna. It's the, the scented oils they use with
0: it. I thought you were going to tell me like it was the demonic spirits that possessed its soul or something. Like, like it's it's not the henna. It's actually Asmodeus who possesses all no, henna. It's, yeah, yeah.
3: it's the patchouli no, it's, oil is what it <laughs> is. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, that's, uh, yeah, Susan actually, Susan actually uh, took a, a, I just cl- took a, a class, class in, in it, this. so she yeah. knows... How to actually mix the stuff up from scratch?
2: Wow. I now I want a tree. Can we grow that here? I guess we'll, I we, a tree? we'll I find guess out. We could.
3: We'll find out. So um, uh, you started out uh, uh, obviously. Uh, musician is being a musician is sort of a family thing. So um, did you learn from your dad first, or you know how did it go? Well, actually, uh,
0: when I was younger, I refused to take lessons from my father, because that was the rebellious thing to do. So I learned from uh, another version. So we don't play guitar the same way he does. On the other hand, he taught me how to s- vocally sing like him, but we don't play the same way at all.
1: No, it's, it's a real, very, very different style. In fact, he learned to play from the guitar player that I most look up to. So a Who's fellow that? named Charlie Encinoso, yeah. he's like a guitar god. Mm-hmm. And so Charlie really is a fantastic instructor, and he taught Kenny.
3: Oh, cool. That's excellent. So um, one thing that I did notice, listening to some of the stuff from uh, your 2010 debut uh, and listening to your latest album, there is a huge difference in the sound that you have and the, the uh, just the sheer craftsmanship and musicianship. Just, well, just he's in a the last two years. Artist,
0: isn't he? I thought you were going to say a deterioration. Like,
3: <laughs> no, no, you, no, you
0: were, no. Go back to where you were. It was. I great. mean, I think
3: you were. I think you were. Um, you know, in 2010, you had just come off Renaissance Fair, and you were all Renaissancean, and and all of that, and that worked great for uh, for that, but um, not so well for modern music, making making Doctor Who into popular music. But yeah, the stuff definitely that you definitely up now, to
2: the- Oh, you're definitely up to the '60s and 70,
3: 1960s, 1970s. I mean, no, no, much more than
2: that. Well, I, I don't, I, 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 was getting the British invasion vibe, and
3: that's I was a good getting more, a... Fram... I was getting more Peter Frampton, you know.
2: When did Peter
1: Frampton get started? But you got any vibe. That's yeah. a good. thing. Yeah, well, like, that's all right. good. All vibes are good vibes. Yeah, anytime we get a woman to have a vibe, that's a good. thing. Yeah, and and I've done, had... right. I've done <laughs> play the vibes. Yes, so. that's right. so. <laughs> But well, nobody really knows what Doctor Who music is. That's the fun thing about playing. Can be anything. Yeah, it can be
2: anything. Well, can yeah, be, yeah. anything. You know,
1: but people say, you know, we play Doctor Who music." What does that mean? Nobody knows. We're making this up. Well, mm-hmm. it, we we what an interesting interesting thing happened is that I naturally
0: want to write uh, punk music uh, because I grew up in uh, the early two thousands and and I really like indie punk, mm-hmm. kind of popish punk, uh, and. So I naturally want everything to have tons of distortion, to be grittier, and to be heavier. And so we started out as a Celtic band, but as we went on, everything I wrote sounded more edgy. It was grittier. The lyrics were a little more risque. Mm
3: -hmm. And
0: my father was writing a great deal of the Celtic music, and the things like Rose Tyler would sound more like the Knack and and some of the British Invasion bands, and... I had to hold back as long as I could because, naturally, if given too much time and studio money, i end up writing indie punk and grunge, and I started doing that on, uh, not the first album, but the second album with Sexy Professor. Mm -hmm. That was me going in the studio, playing three chords, saying, cut and paste it three times, and that's the song, and everyone looking at me like I was insane. I said, no, 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 that's rock and roll. That's great. It's good. And... And the newest album, uh, I, I it was a, a much stronger influence from me and my musical past than the, pre- the previous album, uh, which were much heavily influenced by, was by all the musical past, even though we wrote every song. And we knew that our Celtic fans would miss Celtic music on this album, so we, a kind of, we wrote a brand new oldie called Time Lord Rock.
1: Which Donald took the lead on,
5: <laughs> yes.
1: yeah. And uh, the cool thing about Time Lord Rock is the genre of music that we play is called Time Lord Rock.
3: Oh, it is. Yes. And, uh, yeah.
1: Yes. And so, but my, uh, figure, I figure, well, in a year or two, was Google's Time Lord Rock will show up.
3: What I what I noticed was that your newest album seems to be. I mean, well, let's see. The first one was very. Um, uh, medieval and Celtic and all of that. And then the second album was sort of a, a 180 degrees away from that. And then this one seems, to my ear, it seems to be swinging back around and, and, uh, you have more of a fusion between the two, uh, approaches, which is an unlikely fusion and yet is very welcome to the ear. It creates, it creates a unique, cultured, finished sound that you didn't have before.
0: Well, uh, I, I think, uh, we, we learned from our past and, uh, we, we're combining the best of, uh, the rock sound of the second album and, and our Celtic roots in, in creating perhaps something fantastic and new and whatever we
1: did. Plus, I, I think a big part of the credit goes to Ken's, uh, growing ear. He is the producer of the albums. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, we go in regardless of, of who the musicians are. The producer really controls the finished sound, so his ear and abilities have progressed significantly from the first album till now.
0: Well, actually, uh, this is my I think ninth album, and all the bands that I've been in, and I've been producing them since my 2009 Celtic album before this band. So this is my fourth time producing. And producing is, is a much different skill set than just being a musician or a songwriter, actually arranging the entire thing and, and deciding what parts need to come up and down and, and what extra instruments come in. It, it's, it's a different skill altogether. So I, I've worked really hard
3: to improve that so we can improve the overall tone of the band. And that change in experience, that change your change in viewpoint really, really shows in the finished product. This latest album is the best one you've done. Oh, which is thank your you. which, which is your favorite cut from this new album? Well, Dad, what's your favorite cut?
1: Um, I tend to like uh, biting's like kissing. Uh, the opening <laughs> track. The opening track is funny, fantastic. I think. Yeah, let's
3: let's. The play. lyrics.
1: Are, see, see, one of the things, one of the things that we haven't mentioned, but it's really true that the two of us are sincere Whovians. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not like we just picked up Doctor Who music because it was in. It wasn't in. We made it in. What uh, what made Doctor Who music attractive to us is that we like Doctor Who.
0: Sure, so uh, we get to sing and, and perform about our favorite thing, which is awesome. So and,
2: uh, and you get uh, the influences of people like Neil Gaiman, who wrote the line "biting is like kissing, after all," and uh, and, and the fusion well, is something special.
0: Well, it, it's true, and uh, with with Gaiman's line, I, I my perspective when I w- wrote the lyrics for that was that. Writings Like Kissing But Only There's a Winner was that all romance and all relationships during the Matt uh, Smith era were actually power dialectics. It was, no matter what the the romantic or sexual relationship was, it was usually about gaining and controlling of power as opposed to the actual relationship itself. You could say River and the Doctor, Rory uh, and Amy, a- Amy and the Doctor, and uh, and. Uh, And so biting's like kissing, only there's a winner. That implies that in this uh, romantic uh, relationship that there actually is a winner of that. So that was the theme of the song was various times in the 11th Doctor era when relationships move beyond becoming rapport and they've moved into the realm of competition.
3: You know, I had never thought about it in those terms, but I can see you're right.
0: Well, thank you, Michel Foucault, for teaching me that in college. (laughs) Yes, I studied postmodern theory.
3: (laughs) So here is my uh, master show. (laughs) So for the listeners, here is biting is like kissing,
0: and I'm
2: going to go bite my sweetheart right now. a nice fight. I might let you win next time.
3: <laughs> That's awesome. I really enjoy the sound and the uh, the the vibrance of the new the the new album. How long did that one take you to uh, to put together?
2: Were you writing on the way to the convention for that one, or did you?
3: Uh... Well,
0: that one we uh, we needed one more song for the album, and every other song on it uh, had taken a month or so to to record and. Uh, I, I had to really uh, work on that song for, uh, well, it, it took quite a few nights, but I wrote it quickly. The song itself took a while to record, while I wrote it probably in about 20 minutes.
2: Isn't that so, always the way of it? And that's the one that takes off.
0: <laughs> well, that's actually generally how, how the songs are written. I, I uh, Donald and I sit down and, and we write a song together, and it just happens very, very yep. quickly. But then you go in the studio and record it, and when you hear all the other layers and the different colors that the song needs, uh, a 20-minute session of writing will become 16 or 30 hours in the
1: studio sure. working on a piece.
3: Oh yeah, it's 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 a big step to go from the back of a napkin to a finished product.
1: Yeah, it's <laughs> well, the songs write themselves too. I mean, the song takes on a life of its own.
0: You'll be in the studio, and all of a sudden, you hear a cello part, and you never thought of cello in a song, and. And then you hear a counter melody or you hear harmonies. And a, a great example of things we never heard was uh, when we wrote The Dr. Lies. Mm. Uh, our newest uh, band member, Brooke Poulin, came up with the background uh, vocal, the woo part that goes up and down. Brooke mm-hmm. wrote this very beautiful, random four-part harmony that I never would have thought of in my life. Huh. And it just it just happened in the studio. So uh, just by accident, she came up with this beautiful background part that changed the entire dynamic of the song. Yep. As we were standing there.
3: Well, you know what they say: there's always room for cello. <laughs> Ooh, that, I'm
2: going
3: to like so smack him turning. with a
2: fish right
0: now. <laughs> I don't have a
3: fish. So I'm how a is how have you performed? Uh, have you performed these songs in public yet? Is it? Uh... No, no, we don't
0: perform things in public. That, we're, we're ashamed. Uh, we, 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 so you're we, studio
3: we, artists at this point, well, 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 for the we, most part. We actually,
0: you know, not unlike Batman. We perform most of this in a cave. And, and occasionally, we leave that cave to fight crime and then quickly go back and to put them back underneath glass with the giant uh, coin that he had yeah, in the ex- back Yeah, and it.
2: the <laughs> and the Tyrannosaurus Rex and the giant penny. But you have yeah. gone to TimeGate. You have gone to DragonCon. Are you going to... Well,
1: Dra- TimeGate's actually where we introduced the new album. That's where we had our CD. Well, we,
0: we had actually secretly performed the moment at Megacon and at uh, another event of ours called and Singles Nights already. And we kept telling people... Don't tell anybody yet, because this is from a new album, and no one's heard it yet, and we haven't played this live yet. You did not hear this we, live. We actually
1: hadn't copywritten it yet, I don't think, at that, at that point. <laughs> so
0: we, we just really wanted to play it, because we wrote the song, and we really uh-huh. wanted to play it live. So that one song was played twice before the album was released at TimeGate.
3: So are you seeing bigger and bigger crowds and as Timegate, you go? At TimeGate,
0: we perform... Tr-
3: oh, yeah. oh, oh, yeah. Um, We, we draw... Uh, uh, Couple of thousand at shows you play yeah, now? Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's impressive. So and you're going to be, closed. uh, uh, in September, you're going to be at, uh, the Dr. Geek Science Fair.
0: Oh, yes, we, we are, are indeed. That. We can't wait for Dr. Geek Science Fair. Dr. Geek and
3: his, his henchmen. <laughs>
0: the geeks. Are, are coming up with quite an event. The geeks.
3: Yeah, and so uh, we look and,
0: forward to pl- playing music at a planetarium, which I've never done. So and don't the, don't the South Florida Museum
3: us. as well has uh, has really just they just sort of picked up the whole thing and ran with it. Oh, they and truly they're really excited to, about it.
0: Yeah, Samantha Sprague and all of her uh, team members there at at the museum have done an amazing job with Dr. Begay, uh his uh, yeah. uh, wonderful wife uh, Debbie Vigay who's a best-selling author and Mm -hmm. uh, working with them to create a truly unique event. Uh, The the museum itself is well known for uh, Snooty the Manatee and and having a a large a variety of things in natural history as well as uh, chemical engineering and so forth. the planetarium. They also have the planetarium, which they they invested greatly. In. So, Doctor Geek's Science Fair is going to be science from fiction. We are purely science fiction in what we do, and what uh, Doctor Geek does is he his show shows how science fiction combines the actual worlds of science and fiction, such as ha- whether or not there's a flying car, a 3D printer, things of that nature. You know, these will be explored at Dr. Geek Science Fair. So we will show the one extreme, the fantasy, uh, the science fiction, while uh, Dr. Geek himself and the museum will be providing the, the more sciencey portion of that. And the glue that is Dr. Geek Science Fair is showing in person science and fiction coming together, which we're truly excited to uh, be a part of.
3: Yep. It's a great concept. Our listeners really enjoy listening to Dr. Geek every Thursday. Uh, and they always have amazing shows. I mean, the production value is so high. They're educational. It makes people think about how to think about the future and and the, taking the ideas from fiction and turning them into reality. Well, we all have a
2: you know a Star Trek communicator now. The flip phone is old stuff.
3: <laughs> As a matter of fact, I've got one right over here on my. Bookshelf. No,
2: no, no, you're not doing that.
0: Yes, he And I have indeed a Super Nintendo. He's going to the
2: bookshelf. He is getting the Star Trek communicated. Yeah, but you know what? It's that makes the right sounds, but can you order a pizza on it?
3: Well, not this. What?
2: Yeah. I can't believe he did that.
3: Yeah, yeah, I just I had to. It was like it comes it's Yep. Yeah. Anyway, um, but, uh, you know, everybody remembers uh, when uh, Motorola first came out with their StarTAC flip phone. I mean, how thinly veiled was that? Now,
2: why in the wide world of sports did they never license the Star Trek communicator I look don't and know. sound.
3: I think I think the whole Somebody thing was bound up in up or... licensing. And ah. it's it's uh they just couldn't come to an agreement with Paramount over. It.
2: Well
0: everybody Both, uh, Everybody loses that battle. maybe they just uh they if they had Doctor Geek's uh podcast to listen to them they would have been able to see into the future better and, and know that <laughs> they need to protect their intellectual property better.
3: Damn skippy. Well it's it's so much of an inspiration, you know. I mean, science fiction—it was originally called simply predictive fiction—and that gets back to uh, gets back to the core of what science fiction is all about. So, what are you? Um, you have uh, there are five song, five cuts on this album. And we've played. No,
0: there are indeed. It actually took dramatically longer to do these five songs than it did the previous albums that have nine tracks each. So. Uh, Uh, We we hope it it shows the additional time and energy we poured into these five tracks.
3: They really are of high quality. They're
0: full
2: uh, of love. Absolutely.
0: Well, you're talking of the sciences. Uh, Donald here actually
1: uh, is is quite uh, the the fan of the sciences. Uh, Occasionally, I I uh, I help just a tiny bit with uh, Dr. Geek's on some of his panels, and I'm proud to do that. Um, it's something, so, again, we have a real strong tie-in. We're, we're lovers of Doctor Who. We're lovers of science. So it's uh, it's natural for us to the things that we work in. We work with Doctor Who Music, and we enjoy working with Doctor Begay and uh, Doctor Geek's lab. I mean, all these things are natural points uh, of, of, uh, of, of interaction. It's, not, it's like nothing out of the ordinary, all the stuff that we do.
3: So, do you find that uh, playing Doctor Who music puts you in the company of other musicians who do the same thing? Are you are you, a, are you a part of Are you a part of a that, Time yeah. Lord rock community now? Do
0: you
1: actually actually there is, uh, there, there theres
0: there, isn't there, we've never even met another convention band
1: actually. no, no and the there the there's the, 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 the only other band that, that uh, was out there is uh, not active and uh, so you know the, I, I understand that there are some bands on the horizon. But uh, it's inevitable as, as we become increasingly popular that it might happen. But right now, we've, we're pretty much out there by ourselves. Generally, we tend to run into celebrities from the show mm-hmm.
0: uh, as opposed to other musicians. So uh, we've shared the stage with uh, Peter Davison and, and Colin Baker and, and so forth. But mm-hmm. uh, other musicians of the genre, we haven't
1: yet. Generally, Because mm-hmm.
2: the, the sci-fi the green- people have been doing this kind of music since the nineteen fifties and they've been recording it since the nineteen seventies. I know I was there. <laughs> and the, and the, the term is filk, F I L K, which was a typo once and has has become the folk song of, of the science fiction world and we gotta get you guys plugged into that because I think that it would be good for you, and it'd be good for the rest of them for you to meet.
3: There is a whole community out there,
2: some of which have uh, bridged well, over into uh, mainstream, or at least Doctor Demento.
3: Oh well, if the great mean, Luke uh, Ski
2: regularly in the mm-hmm. uh, you know the, the Doctor Demento top ten. I, he he started on the filth scene.
3: Well, and weird, weird Al Weird Al Yankovic. No, he wasn't
2: a filter. I mean well, he, 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 he is and he isn't but he's, he's well he yeah, doesn't call true, it that.
3: So you've never met uh you've never run into the people who uh who are uh, uh doing the band chameleon circuit then? Uh no, they actually
0: uh are not around anymore. Uh, some of the really? members of their band are, are performing solo projects, but uh they They as a group uh, are gone. Yeah, they're they're not here anymore. Oh,
2: that's too bad. I enjoy I was enjoying their stuff.
0: Yeah, they were um up, well, and, up they, until they you they seem came like along. excellent young British lads, but yeah. <laughs> but but uh, no, I, I haven't met them. Uh, I think the last time they performed was about 5 years ago at Vision Con and uh and they they've got, they they're, they've gone
3: away now. <laughs> see, thanks to time
2: travel and recording, we'll never we'd never know. Yeah, we'd, That's
3: right. we would. Yes, exactly.
2: <laughs> they're a fixed point in time.
3: Oh. I'm so sorry.
2: Well, we just stuck our feet into that one. <laughs>
3: it's okay.
2: We should have our apologies hey, we're, we're at it's the okay. end of it's the okay show. If they,
3: well, we're not sad that they broke up. I mean, what the? Heck? <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> it's more room for more room for the new people. And, well, that's uh, not
0: the science fiction. Well, way well they, were we're yeah, they, they were in another country. Yeah, they were in England, yes. and, and we're in the United States. So <laughs> there's actually an entire ocean of 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 uh, room there. So both uh, literally possibly. and
3: figuratively.
0: But they, they never did the convention circuit. They primarily were a YouTube uh, phenomenon, mm-hmm. as opposed to us. We're primarily a live act. So we perform and we tour uh, at least one to two conventions a month. And they, I play, believe, have played two live shows in the extent of their their career. On the other hand, their YouTube videos have had hundreds of thousands of views. So we're two different types of acts. It certainly They're... looks like it. Do you yeah. have a YouTube channel? I think so. I, I, I remember to update that on occasion.
1: Uh, most of the YouTube posts that are out there are not really good. Well, actually, a lot of them are pretty good now. The fans, are they, are they you know, better? Yeah, the fans are doing really good Oh, ones that's now. good. The last ones I saw were.
0: Yeah, the, so there's a British girl who did a music video for us uh, uh, about a year ago uh, uh, for Sexy Professor. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so the fans have done a lot of music videos for us, but... Uh, we were too busy working. Uh, we we play a lot of shows, we write a lot of music, and also I've I not a videographer. So I only we only have so many skill
1: sets. Yes, sir.
0: So I, we have a YouTube channel that I'm sure I remember the password to that mm-hmm. I updated about a year ago. So that's the social media I'm not good at. On Facebook, we're almost up to forty thousand followers. That's on Facebook.
3: Stunning. That is so, stunning.
0: We're very very active on Facebook. It's it. I There's only. One Ken Spivey, so I only have so much life in me to actively socially network so well, and uh, I was socially networking on Google Plus until I realized I was alone, and it was very existential. And, uh, <laughs> That's you know, the experience
3: you know. a lot of people have been having with Google Plus. It was, um, uh, for a while, uh, people were saying, oh, well, Facebook, now you can only reach 1% of your followers if uh, if you're lucky, Uh, let's all go over to Google+, and then they got there, and they found out that there's nothing there.
0: Well, it's true. So uh, Facebook, even though they've changed their algorithm for uh, pages, it's still incredibly effective for us. We have uh, a great following on there, and... and we love our fans, and we—it's—it's it's an interesting way to develop personal relationships with thousands and thousands of fans uh, from all over the world. We get to know them, the ones that post often, sure. and uh, their unique personalities, and we love talking with
1: them. We have fantastic fans, and even when you, uh, Facebook changed their algorithm again, as Ken was saying, our fans found us. I mean, if they lose us for a while in their uh, in their their feed, they would track us down. So I mean. There's, that's done well for. Us. Yeah,
0: we saw a small drop as soon as they changed that algorithm and then it, our reach came back. It's about about what it was before
1: actually, yeah, if not more.
0: Yeah, our our that's fans amazing. are are very, very loyal and uh, they they enjoy they enjoy not just the band but our online banter and and the odd way we say yeah. things and our unique perspective upon yeah. stuff that Goes being.
2: Well, it's like the live show, all you know, in the comfort of your own
0: home. It's true. I guess that that's that's correct. Our, our Facebook pages like our live show, and they get to see it every day. Or the Facebook page is a preview to encourage them from the live show.
1: And I, th- and I think it's interesting too that you mentioned it's a live show because our our live performances are that it's a show as opposed to just a band going up and playing a bunch of songs. We don't just go up and play a set of music.
0: Yeah, we we actually write a script. So we're originally the two of us, and now the four of us, we tell a story. So we write a script that connects all the songs together, and from the beginning of uh, the set towards t- until the end, we connect each song with a, a story involving how we met the Doctor and how he told us these tales and how they all connected together. So not unlike the Renaissance Fair, there's banter back and forth between the four of us. So that when you see us live, it's a you get to know each character in the band as well as the music itself.
1: Sure. And in fact, in the in the uh, new album, the song Trizelore, uh, we actually wrote that song with the idea of performing it live. And uh, so it's it's a set piece. And even though it, it sounds really good on the album, uh, it's it's really really good live. And if you listen to it and just imagine seeing it performed as almost like a stage production, and that's that was the whole idea of the song.
2: Great, well settle back into your chairs and let's listen to the Ken Swivey Band in Trenzalore.
5: universe at war I have fought for peace Now I'm Transylore You've been there once before I'm Transalor.
3: It's a very different sort of um, work that you had to do with that song because it had to be arranged in such a way that uh, you could do a live performance without having to uh, rely on um, 150 pounds of mixing equipment to make it sound right. You know, or, uh, well, or multi-tracking.
0: That, well, that was, that, that's that's a interesting issue that we run in with any song live, is how do you translate the sound of a studio song into a live performance so we work hard we have what we call band camp where mm-hmm. all four of us come over for uh, three days and we do nothing but practice for three days
1: and because
0: uh especially that song that's not easy to play so we have to really practice
1: and rehearse absolutely that one of the reasons that we expanded the four pieces when we realized that we it was the sound was becoming too large for the two of us to do mm-hmm. and so adding the the other two musicians really helped
0: we were able to reproduce this very large sound by adding uh, a keyboard and visual guitar and percussion. It really uh, allowed us to expand our musical horizons.
2: Tell us about your other two band
0: members. Well, we have uh, Allison Farrell, who's been with us about a year and a half. And uh, she's a singer. She plays keyboard, and, and she's also a percussionist.
3: Mm-hmm. And we
0: have our newest band member, Brooke Poulin, who I actually went to college with. And I didn't know her well in university, but my best friend was in classes with her, and she was a music major. And she actually possibly plays more instruments than even I do. And I know she's a better musician than I am, so that, <laughs> that's daunting, having that person in your band. She she was a vocal major. She's been in uh, productions of La Boheme. I believe she's been in an, a, a Vita. Uh, she's a, an amazing singer. In addition, she plays keyboard, guitar, bass. Uh, she was a, she's got a master's in music. I mean, she plays everything. Yeah.
1: Really talented. <laughs> she's really good, yeah. So, just, uh, don't Allison cry for
2: is, me, Freya.
1: That'll work. <laughs> and, and, and Allison is also well-known for her cosplay.
0: Yeah, she's, oh. she's an expert cosplayer and also a well-known actress in the Orlando uh, Fringe uh, right. film
1: festival scene. So, you know, wow. it, it's, these are two really strong talents that we brought into the mix. So, it works out really well. We have
0: uh, quite a well-known cosplayer and actress in the band, which helps out with the theatrical performance. Plus, we have the incredibly strong uh, classical musical ba- background of uh, Brooke Poulin.
1: Wow. Plus, Brooke makes uh, great uh, uh, anime noises in... uh <laughs> One of our songs on the... Yes, and and,
0: and the... the
3: Anime, what's an anime noise? That's
0: actually uh, Brooke going, yeah, here we go! Oh, that stuff. (laughs) That's a small (laughs) child. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, it was was really great hearing someone that uh, sang an aria at my best friend's wedding yell, one, two, three, go! on a CD. It was really great to, you know, bring her down to that level. (laughs) You know know what, when you're a voice
2: actor, you
3: (laughs) do it all. And yep. it's true that's awesome that is well, awesome She
2: adds the kawaii.
3: well uh
0: my, my father's telling giving me the the big word that uh that, that uh my mother is is wanting him back so I think we're going to have to be running off here soon
2: okay well let's play the last cut with time lord rock
4: Let's travel through time and space Come along, baby, let's travel through time and space Come on, let's party while our molecules get a lace Come and travel with me, honey, you know it won't take long Come and travel with me, honey, you know it won't take long Get back home five minutes before you're gone. We're gonna shake, shimmy, and time lord rock. 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 We're gonna shake, shimmy, and time lord rock tonight.
5: Hotter in my tights, 'cause there's no one there to stop us, and the music's always rockin',
6: 'cause that's how my sexy likes us a- We we'll take a little swim and maybe go again. We'll dance with fins, we chasing dinosaurs, or maybe saving worlds. We could be fighting.
3: Thank you both of you for being on the event horizon this evening. We're sorry that Doctor Vigay couldn't uh, couldn't stick with us uh, due to the connection problems. We look forward to seeing you. We have
2: to come back east. That's all there is to it. Yeah, we have to go back east to see you. The the southern truck.
3: (laughs) Well, that
0: that sounds fantastic. We look forward to uh, seeing and hearing you both
3: uh, again. That would be. Thank you so much for having us. Absolutely, we're very glad to have you with us on this sixty-fourth episode of the Event Horizon. When I'm sixty-four,
2: we will still need you, absolutely, and your mother will still feed you. So run along, Pond.
3: (laughs) Good night, gentlemen. Thank you you very much. You have just heard episode sixty-four of Krypton Radio's weekly production of the Event Horizon for June twenty-first, two thousand fourteen, with our guests Ken Spivey and Douglas Kenneth of the Ken Spivey Band, with the band's manager. Dr. Scott Vigay, a.k.a. Dr. Geek of Dr. Geek's Laboratory of Applied Geekdom. To find out more about the Ken Spivey Band, visit them at kenspivey.com. Your hosts have been Station Manager Gene Turnbow and the station's executive producer, Susan Fox. This episode will air again on Sunday, June 22, 2014, at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, and again on Sunday, June 26th at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern You will find this episode and others as downloads at the Krypton Radio website and on iTunes and Stitcher as podcasts. The Event Horizon title sequence was written and produced by Gene Turnbow. The science officer was science fiction illustrator Mark Schermeister. The engineer was Christian B. McGuire. The navigator was Corsair's closet producer Christine Cherry, and the captain was voiced by legendary science fiction writer Larry Niven. This program and its contents, except where provided by others, are copyright 2014 by Krypton Media Group Incorporated. The Event Horizon. It's sci-fi for your Wi-Fi.